0: hi welcome to the romance me podcast this is erica and i'm M. and we'd like to say a special
1: <laughs> i'm not at all tired hello to our number one and only fan it feels like one million o'clock <laughs> it's funny because i put that there for the thing i was going to say like a couple months ago at this point now like it was a while ago <laughs> apparently i knew in the future i'm gonna be tired <laughs>
0: <laughs> still relevant <laughs> today we'll be discussing spoiler alert by olivia dade geologist april whittier loves rocks fan fiction and the tv show god of the gates for years she's been writing fanfic of her one true pairing not realizing that she was sharing her stories with one of the show's stars marcus castor Rupp. marcus asks her on a date after seeing her cosplay on twitter and april accepts unaware that he is actually her online buddy. Although besotted with April, Marcus is reluctant to share his online identity, fearing career-related repercussions. But as they grow closer, his circumspection is now potentially relationship ending. There will be spoilers beyond this point. Well, Erica, tell me about April. Oh, April has issues. Yes. So April is thirty-six. She is a geologist, and she's just now leaving her current job for another job in her field that hopefully has a better environment for her. Her old job is very appearance-focused, professionalism is super important, and her new job is much more of a casual environment.
1: Yeah, she doesn't feel like she can be herself in her current job and let her nerd flag fly.
0: Yes, and being her her real true self is especially important because she's on this, I guess, self-imposed improvement plan where she wants to let her online identity bleed into her offline identity. And it also goes along with, like, loving her herself, like, loving her body the way she is. April's overweight. And she basically, she's been overweight since, like, puberty. And so she's struggled with self-acceptance. Yeah. In addition to that, she's also super involved in a online fandom for a TV show called God of the Gates. She (laughs) writes copious fan fiction about her one true pairing OTP, which is Aeneas and Lavinia, who are two of the characters on the show. The show is also based on a series of books that is a series that's not finished yet
1: i thought it was i thought it was a trilogy
0: no you you could be right I, I don't know that there's actual textual evidence that it isn't finished yet i think i just assumed it because i saw the obvious parallel between god of the gates and game of thrones oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe
1: <laughs> Ooh, we're starting early you want me to rant, and <laughs> you rant know? don't
0: you <laughs> no we'll, we'll just leave that alone but okay i will do my best i'm staring at it now <laughs> at any rate the show has extended beyond the amount of book material that is left and as a result the fandom is writing plenty of fix it fix
1: yes because <laughs> apparently the showrunners don't know what they're doing <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, One of April's BFFs is an online buddy who goes by the name Book Aeneas Would Never, which is shortened to B-A-W-N, which I just pronounced in my head as Bon, which I hate. I'm trying
1: to think in the audiobook. (laughs) I think
0: it was pronounced similarly. And then her online identity is unapologetic Lavinia Stan, and he calls her Olsi. They, they're both part of a, what do they call it? Lavinius? Yeah, they're both part of a server that is devoted to the Lavinius shipping. Yes. But they also, like, she has a crush on him. Um, they've never seen each other, they've never seen pictures of each other. She has always been concerned about sharing her real self with her online friends friends because she's worried that they'll look down on her for being overweight and since she also has a crush on Bon, she is worried he won't like her because she's overweight correct she has a lot of like you said self-acceptance but she goes on that journey like that's her arc. yeah and she's she's well on her way like she's working on it at the beginning of the book at the very beginning she's decided Cause she also cause she also cosplays as Lavinia and she's decided she's also going to post a selfie of herself dressed in her cosplay on Twitter showing her face.
1: Once she starts her new job. So it's like, this is me, world.
0: Yeah. It's her her coming out as a as a God of the Gates fan, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. No. <laughs> as a nerd. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> so she does. She posts it on Twitter. And she gets a lot of really nice comments. But she also gets really shitty comments, of course, because it's online. I think she handles it well because she yeah. goes on a blocking spree. She just blocks, like, everyone who's toxic and mutes all the people that are saying horrible things. And then she can read the nice comments. And I think, honestly, if you're going to be vulnerable online and you're concerned about your mental health, that's probably the way to go. Yeah. So Marcus, a.k.a. Bon.
1: Everybody has a lot of additional names. It got a little... Not confusing, just... I don't know. I don't know the best way to put it.
0: Unbeknownst to April, her friend Bon is also Marcus Castor-Rupp, who is one of the stars of her favorite show. Yes, he plays Aeneas. The star of her sexy fanfics. (laughs) Yeah, basically. At this point in the story, Marcus doesn't know that Ulsi is April, but he does see April's Twitter post and he thinks, oh, she's really pretty. And then he reads some of the comments and is just disgusted by it and makes a nice comment about her. And then someone replies and says, yeah, but you'd never date someone like that. And then he asks her out publicly on Twitter. Yep, he does it. He commits. Yep. April uh, slides into his DMs and says, did you actually mean to ask me out or were you just being nice? Like, it's cool, like whatever. And he says, no, I absolutely would love to take you out if you want to. And so she thinks about it. She makes a list. (laughs) She entitles it, environmental geologist, remediate thyself. (laughs) And I'll just read the list. So number one, say yes to Marcus publicly. Two, without being obnoxious about it, merge the professional and personal at work. Stop fearing exposure. Remind self of terrible folk trio as necessary. Because our new co-workers have a folk trio group. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. happy. <laughs> share Twitter handle and identity with Lavinia's friends. Wear earplugs when doing so, as squealing may be heard from space. <laughs> Four, attend Con of the Gates. Meet Lavinia's friends and let them see what I look like in person. Five. At Con of the Gates, enter cosplay contest. Six. Address fat shaming in the Lavinia's community, even though it might alienate my friends. Seven. Decide what to do about mom and dad. Once I'm sure, tell mom in person. And eight. Immediately dump any man who wants to change me and or doesn't seem proud to be with me in public. And Honestly, I think that list kind of describes her journey throughout this book. Yeah. Because she does all those things. She checks all those boxes. She's amazing. Yes. She and Marcus make plans to meet up and they have their first date and it is super boring initially. Um, April just thinks, oh God, he's so vapid and dumb. I can't stand this guy. Because
1: that's what he's showing her. Yeah. Because that's his public persona. Because for reasons... He feels like that is that is what will get him accepted, so that's what he he is and behaves like.
0: I don't agree that it's because that's what will get accepted. I think he does it because then people, if people hate him, they won't hate the real him.
1: Yeah, I think that's
0: true too. It's a defense mechanism. Yes. Okay, maybe, maybe before we go in on the date, we should talk about Marcus.
1: I think that's probably a good idea. We need to explain the Marcus.
0: Yes, because Marcus also has
1: issues (laughs) he also has self-acceptance issues
0: marcus is 40 he's an actor he's been in that field for 20 years he's the star of god of the gates and he also is not exactly estranged but has an extremely rocky relationship with his parents because his parents are both very academically minded and literary type people. He really struggled in school as a child, so much so that his mom and dad made the decision to homeschool him so that he could get extra attention. His mom stopped working for a while so that she could homeschool him, but he really struggled to make progress. Well, later in life, he learns that he's dyslexic, which for him is a major aha moment. It
1: just... a me that his parents who are educators did not appreciate that that's what was going on or consider that
0: yeah i am just i there aren't words to express how disgusting his parents attitudes toward him are because they thought he was just lazy and unfocused and consistently like punished him no you can't go out walking with us you have to stay in and study because you didn't work hard enough earlier you know so he had a real shit childhood with a real shit pair of parents and eventually when he was a teen he decided you know what they're never going to love me or anything so i'm going to start being the worst possible son which is his initial persona that he takes on in his life. And it's a defense mechanism. You know, if Mm -hmm. he's the worst possible son, then his parents can hate that person, but that isn't really him. Yeah. And then when he was just starting out on the show, an interviewer asked him to read a passage from the source material, and he really struggled with it because he has dyslexia. Everyone basically thought he was dumb. Yeah. And so instead of saying, hey, you know what, I have dyslexia and you guys are all assholes. Yep. He decided, okay, well, I'll just have this new persona, which is called the well-groomed golden retriever and be this vain, vapid person. And then if you hate that person or think that person's stupid or, or boring or whatever, that's fine because that's not really me. Yeah. And so now he's stuck because... His parents see the worst possible son. His public and fans and everyone else sees And co-workers. Yeah, and co-workers to an extent see the well-groomed golden retriever. And then no one no one sees Marcus. And not only that, but he's like concerned about the repercussions it could have on his career too. Like, how does he tell his entire fan base that actually I'm not vapid? I have a lot to say. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, without then making it seem like he was intentionally deceiving them for some sort of malicious reason. No, this just got out of hand. And oops.
0: And then on top of that, he has his online persona, Bon, where he writes fan fiction that derides the show that he's on because he doesn't like the direction the show has gone. (laughs) to the crapper he enjoys writing and i think he also gets like some sort of stress relief out of it and he's made friends online including Ulsi, aka april yep yep also he's shy he's a naturally shy person and he's kind of socially unaware i think due to his childhood and then always having these other personas like he's never really had to like be himself with like others yeah Or had to or wanted to. I don't know which would be the appropriate way to phrase it. Maybe call him A and B. (laughs) A little bit of both. He has a lot of baggage. So when he's on this date with April, he's trying to be the well-groomed golden retriever. And April thinks he is boring. Yes. She thinks he's hot, but looks aren't everything to her. She wants someone who is interesting and has more going on than just how they look. Now, she's not
1: concerned with superficiality, but that's where he's comfortable.
0: Yeah, that's what he initially has to offer. He is super attracted to her. They instantly have chemistry. She doesn't really like that at first, I think, because she thinks he's, you know, she thinks he's his public persona, but then she starts catching him in little little snippets of conversation that don't seem to match the way he usually portrays himself.
1: She starts seeing the real Marcus in little little
0: flecks. And so she starts digging into it a little bit, trying to to get him to open up more. At one point she succeeds. Um, She starts asking him about his job, and she gets him talking about the crew's impact on the show. And when he's talking about it, he becomes passionate, and she's just super into it. And then she starts telling him about her job, and she's super passionate about her job, and he's into that. He asks her out for a second date, and she says, No, I have to tell you, I actually write fanfic about you. (laughs) That might be weird. And he says, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he takes it really well, I think. <laughs> yeah. He says, tell me about And she tells him her username and says, don't ever look it up.
1: I wonder if one of the reasons he takes it so well is because he's more taken aback that she's his online
0: buddy. That's a good point. Well, I think part of the reason he takes it so well, at least initially, is because he also writes fan fiction. I mean, he, true. he doesn't admit that to her, but he's like, yeah, I write fan fiction about me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, not about him, but about his character.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, and it's also maybe the kind of fan fiction as well. You know, like the explicit, you know what I mean? Like the content.
0: Do you think an average person would be super weirded out to learn that, that you write explicit fan fiction about the character they play on TV? <laughs>
1: I think most actors or whatnot, if they're on a show like that, that has a following, I think they just have some way of coping with that. <laughs> I can't imagine how, but they must.
0: I think I think it's twofold. I think part of the reason he's not weirded out is because he also writes fan fiction And then pretty soon after he learns that she writes it, she tells him her username and then he realizes that she's actually his friend. So I think I think it's both of those things that soften the impact for him.
1: You're probably right.
0: But for April, that was actually an excuse. The real reason... She said no to him was because every time she asked him probing questions, he would get excited, but then eventually divert back to well-groomed golden retriever boy. Yes. And she just doesn't, she's not into that. She doesn't want that. But she also, and I like this about her. She does this throughout the story. She also leaves him like a little clue. If you want me to say yes, then you could do this thing. And she does it very obliquely. I forget exactly what she says, but something about, you know, how exciting it is to know it's below the surface or something like that. And he picks up on it and he goes, oh, I really like this woman. If I want to go out with her again, I'm going to have to open up a little bit. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> so then he opens up and shares he's dyslexic and they talk about that a little bit and that enables her to feel like he's willing to open up to her more. And so... When he asks her out again, she says yes. When she gets home, she goes online. And guess who's online? Santa? Bon. And they chat. And she actually reveals that she went out on a date with Marcus. But Bon doesn't tell her that he's actually Marcus. Instead, he tells her something that she recognizes as a blatant lie which is that he's going away for his job and won't have internet access for a while and doesn't know if or when he'll be able to talk to her again. But he just wanted to let her know that. April takes this as <laughs> I think I think most people would, where it's like, you know, I've shared my stories and life with you for years, even though just online, and now you're just abandoning me and you can't even tell me why. That's really fucked up. She's incredibly hurt yeah. by it. She just lets him lie to her and it's like, oh, okay then. The reason Marcus lies to her again is because he's called his one friend that he's actually honest with, Alex, who's also on the show.
1: (laughs) Oh, Alex.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you like Alex, he's in the second book. He asks his friend Alex for advice and Alex is like, well, if she lets your secret out, then that's going to end your career. Is that something you're willing to do? fair enough but also don't be a dick also fair enough you shouldn't lie to her online yes and so he takes alex's advice and is like well i'm not gonna tell her that i'm bon but i'm also not going to be bon anymore while i'm pursuing this relationship with her yeah i feel like this whole part is so icky like i understand i understand the lie and you know me you know i hate lying yes. I understand and I accept the lie and the need for the lie at this point in the story. Yes. What is super icky to me is that before he disappears as Bond, he kind of pumps her for info about what she thought about the yeah. date and what she thought about Marcus. And it's just gross. I don't know. Like, don't be a dick. Listen to your friend Alex, please. I don't know. What are, your, what are your thoughts about the whole thing, about the lie and the the insider info well
1: i understand the need for marcus to lie and it makes sense because that really would screw things up if she did not prove to be as trustworthy as he thinks she is and he doubts himself intellectually so he may not trust his ability to to suss her out and to see that she is indeed someone worthy of trust he works in a superficial industry where people i imagine would be like oh yes i'm your friend you can trust me stab 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 in the back
0: yeah that's true but he knows he knows her he knows the online her
1: yes he knows some of her you can live with people and not know them so i don't (laughs) that goes like for anyone you would know online you don't know them. You have a sense, maybe. I totally understand his hesitation. I sympathize with him wanting to get information out of her about how things went. So he can kind of gauge. I, I see it more as fact finding,
0: <laughs> like research. It does match his personality, because he is shy and socially awkward.
1: Again, he stops being Bon after that. You know, it's not like he is consistently doing that. I think he just wants to know, like, am I on the right track? Is it a good idea to pursue this thing with April? He's just sort of feeling his way. Yeah, I can kind of understand why it's a little creepy-ish. But I am willing to give him that latitude. Considering what we know of him at that point and what his background is, would I prefer he not have done it? Yeah, probably. But I'm not going to fault him too heavily for actually doing that. Because he's just, he's trying to find his way.
0: So after this first date, like the next day or whatever, Marcus goes and visits his parents. This is the point in the story when we learn basically how incredibly shitty his parents are. (laughs) It really seems sad to me that Marcus at this point, he's 40. He's lived about half his life and he still feels like he did something wrong as far as his parents are concerned. Like he should be forgiving them for not understanding him. But his parents, even now, even now that Marcus is an adult and he's successful, he has a career that he enjoys, that he's good at, they still have just horrible behavior. Like they wrote like articles about how shitty the show he stars on is
1: they take it to the next (laughs) level it's not just that they disapprove it's not just that maybe they didn't know dyslexia was a thing or they couldn't entertain the idea that maybe their child learns differently or whatever it's that they like
0: want to publicly abuse him I just don't get it, and he thinks, "Oh, well, they love me in their own way, or whatever." There's but different
1: kinds of love, but there's different kinds of abuse too.
0: I'm sorry if you if you love your child. I don't care, even if you know your child is actually unable to learn at the level that you wanted them to. And not just that they learn differently or whatever; they have some sort of other developmental situation complexity what parent like what good loving parent goes to that extreme like no you're just lazy you're not trying hard enough you're a disappointment to us i think it even says so in the story
1: like it's clearly not about marcus it's that his parents could not entertain the idea that their child was in any
0: way not living up to their expectations yeah
1: it's a selfish point of view, which makes them quite villainous, frankly.
0: They're kind of narcissists. Yep, yep. But after after the incredibly shitty scene with his parents, we get to move on to April and Marcus's second date. They meet up at the Natural History Museum, and it's just basically the perfect second date, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: The chemistry is on fire, they're into each other. Marcus has let down his guard. He's being more of the real him with her. She loves that. She's into it. At the end of the date, they're they're not kissing kissing, but they're kind of necking, I guess. But then they get disrupted by the paparazzi. And Marcus <laughs> immediately puts on his vapid well-groomed golden retriever act to distract them from April. And it works. I mean, it distracts them. They stop asking her personal questions and everything. And then once he sees an opening, he grabs her and they slide into a taxi and he takes her back to her apartment. And at first, April is really upset that he's performing for the paparazzi, but then she realizes, you know, he must be doing this to protect me and i think she's actually pretty insightful about a lot of his behaviors there's a she this is, is yeah the first of multiple times that she sees him do something and then she goes well that kind of bothered me but actually i think he was coming from this place yeah you know that doesn't mean that she doesn't need to talk to him about it or won't or whatever but it just shows how perceptive april is
1: yeah she gives him the benefit of the doubt too She doesn't just assume that he's coming from a malicious place in his behaviors.
0: And as they're driving back to her place, she's kind of sad because she's missing Bon. And Marcus feels guilty because he is Bon, but still hasn't told her. They talk about meeting up again, but he has to go back to L.A., the next day and he suggests well you could come see me in the morning I usually work out pretty early you could come join me and then we could go have brunch and she massively misinterprets that because that pushes her button yeah she's had multiple dates with other guys who seem to like her and everything and then they start gently nudging her toward oh exercising or oh you should try this diet with me or let's eat healthy or whatever and she just she's not having it she doesn't want to be with someone who's going to make her feel any way about her body except perfectly wonderful and fabulous but does she tell him this (laughs) no she does another thing where she holds out like a lifeline and she's all well what do you recommend at brunch and marcus just steps in it because he doesn't realize what's going on behind the scenes in her head and he's telling her well you know i usually eat these healthy options because that's what he usually eats because he's an actor and he has to keep his body in you know prime condition yes you know, it makes it makes perfect sense. And he just doesn't realize he's stepping further in it with her. And she's like, okay, well, no, actually, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to see you again.
1: Yeah, she initiates her boundaries.
0: <laughs> in a massive way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, ooh, okay. I don't know. Do you think that she could have been nicer about it? Or do you think that it made sense for her to be... So angry.
1: Ah, It's such a tricky thing.
0: Considering
1: that is one of her buttons, maybe in the back of this character's mind, she may have been expecting something like this. And then when it happens, I think her anger maybe illustrates just how hurt she was.
0: I think in the story, she was starting to think oh, he isn't like that. Yes. And then when he does the thing that makes her th- rethink it and go, oh, actually, he is that way.
1: I mean, it seems like, yeah. like a lot of anger, but that's one of her sensitive buttons. So it makes sense. Yeah, And she's been, up until that point, exceedingly understanding with all the other things.
0: All his other idiosyncrasies. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and I think where it was like, that was just one that she couldn't think, well, maybe he just doesn't understand.
0: He just doesn't know.
1: Yeah, he hasn't had life experiences close to what she has. So therefore, he can't understand where she's coming from, assuming. And he doesn't. But it doesn't mean that he's not sensitive to that, which, you know, when she does point it out to him, he goes, okay, and has his little aha moment or whatever.
0: I really struggled with this whole part of it. And I... I do recognize that it's her, one of her hot button issues, and I feel like that's valid. I think that she's had an extraordinary amount of hurt surrounding her body and how people act regarding her body. And I can understand her not wanting to give an inch. Instead of putting out the feelers, like, what would you recommend for brunch? I kind of wish that she had said something like, do you think I need to work out?
1: Oh. Yeah, like confronted the issue.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But we later find out in the story that she's purposefully not brought up any of that to him as like a pride thing.
1: And there's other stuff that we find out later in the story too, like the extent to which her own parents messed with her head growing up.
0: Yeah, that's true. And
1: I think sometimes when you have where a character has a big emotional reaction a lot of times it's anger about a situation. Sometimes it helps if you could see him maybe slightly step in it before and then her get annoyed rather than, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Anger.
0: I don't know, because up until that point, he doesn't say anything that could be misconstrued as fat shaming Yeah. at all. Which is one of the things she especially likes about him. Like she eats whatever she wants on that first date and the second date. And he doesn't say a word about it at all. Aside from, oh, that looks good. I think I'll have that too. Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever. And she loves that. And so I think she's taken aback by the gym thing. Like going to the gym. So maybe
1: it's good that it kind of happens all at once for the shock of it.
0: I think so. It's like a slap in the face for the reader though, I think. (laughs) And for Marcus. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and maybe that was the intent. Who knows? Yeah,
0: it could be. So he drops her off at her apartment, goes back to his hotel, and he's just like thinking, dude, I really fucked up and I'm not sure how. And he's just thinking about like all the things that happened on this date. And he's like, she was good up until we got in the taxi. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not quite putting it together. But he gets some help because he goes online onto their server and sees that she's posted this whole thing about fat shaming in the Lavinia's community (laughs) and how it's terrible that writers use fatness as a shortcut for greed or evilness or other negative characteristics. And he realizes, ew, Maybe asking her to work out with me and then telling her about my healthy meals (laughs) triggered something.
1: Yeah. Oops. There is an opportunity for discussion.
0: Yeah, but he gets discussion from Alex because he calls him up for advice again. And Alex (laughs) Alex. basically says... (laughs) We'll, We'll get to it. Alex basically says look you either need to shit or get off the pot you either need to tell her everything and risk it or just leave her the fuck alone and let her live her life you can't be living these two separate identities anymore this is too complicated for you or anyone really not necessarily just him
1: (laughs) do not divide your brain leave it as intact as possible
0: April starts her new job. She loves it. Her co-workers are amazing. They immediately click. She shares with them how she's a Lavinia stan. They're into it. It's a thing. She's found, I think, just a wonderful place to work. Yeah. When she gets back online, she finds that Bon had posted something online, but he didn't DM her or anything. The story that he posted made her think about the gym invite that she'd gotten from marcus (laughs) (laughs) what a coinky dink hmm maybe that's what it was inspired by she's rethinking the whole thing and like well maybe i overreacted and maybe i should give him a second chance to see if he really meant that I needed to work out or if it was just a stupid misunderstanding. So she asks him out again and she says, you know, I'm not really a gym person or whatever. And he immediately is like, okay, well, do you want to tour donut shops? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, hell yeah, I do. Okay, I love the idea of touring donut shops because I have to tell you that (laughs) my spouse and I... (laughs) When we were dating, we toured carne asada restaurants. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of related a little bit (laughs) on that level. But it seemed a little like overcompensating for him. Oh, you don't like me talking about your weight at all. Here, why don't we eat horrible fattening food together?
1: (laughs) Well, I think it was more like hey she
0: responded let's just let's let's lure the fat chick out with donuts
1: no i think it was more just an effort to show approval of who she it, you know i am not making this make sense
0: okay i think i get where you're going though. Thank like you. he's trying to be supportive <laughs> right yes Okay, Thank but <laughs> he could have been supportive by inviting her to one donut shop. Like, hey, I went to this awesome place. We should go there. I appreciate there are different ways to show your support. It's such a tricky subject, I think, because of the issue that she's working on, the body acceptance, and the issue he's working on, which is showing her he loves her, the or loves her, that he likes her the way she is. Yeah. But it just seems like too much. Like, way too much. Like, way, 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 way too Maybe
1: much. Maybe he's trying a little hard, because he really likes it. I don't know. The, the thing is, like, I literally didn't have a problem with any of that. The problem that I had was when he messaged the group or whatever as Bond. Yeah. I'm like, that feels a little manipulative, buddy. I didn't have a problem with it before when it was right after the date, and he felt like he had to, you know, find his way. But now it feels a little coercive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. I also had a problem with that. I just additionally had a problem with the donut thing.
1: I don't know. I didn't think about the donut thing that much.
0: Truthfully, if a guy asked me out on a date to go out and gorge myself on donuts, I would be all for it. (laughs) But if he asked me out on a date to gorge myself on donuts after, after I had a conversation with the guy and came away feeling like He thought I was too fat.
1: Well, I can understand why she maybe isn't in a donut mood. I could see being put
0: off of them. It's not even about the (laughs) donuts. It's about the statement he's making. He's saying, oh, obviously you don't want to work out. Instead, you'd rather consume 5,000 calories in one sitting. (laughs) It doesn't feel like he's, you know, (laughs) condescending to her at all. I guess... uh like, I, I think I
1: see your point. Maybe. Maybe I would be misinterpreting Marcus or whatever, but I would be thinking like, oh, I think this is just a misguided level of enthusiasm and you'll learn. <laughs> just move on with my life. I, I think that's probably what I would do if I were April.
0: Let me put it this way and then I'll okay. move on. <laughs> he made the date about her fatness
1: yeah so
0: that's the issue i have with it she i don't know (laughs) i don't see a problem with it okay let's say you have any (laughs) other characteristic (laughs) literally any (laughs) other characteristic like i don't even know (laughs) oh my god i can't stop laughing (laughs) It's it's hard to make a good correlation, but let's say let's say she had some other sort of thing like that could be perceived as negative by a lot of people, mm-hmm. but isn't inherently negative. And he makes a oopsie and then comes up with a good additional date idea, and it's all about that thing mm-hmm. that doesn't seem condescending to you, like oh, let's celebrate that thing that I made the oopsie about. I actually love that thing. It's great. I'm I'm not saying it's not
1: condescending. I don't think Marcus meant it to be, but maybe he did.
0: I don't know. I don't think he meant it to be either. I just think he should have come up with one donut shop or literally anything else.
1: <laughs> I think it was an olive branch that stuck on top
0: of a donut. Okay, we're moving on.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, so they meet up for date number three, the donut date. It's amazing. They have a wonderful time.
1: They eat a weird thing. I didn't understand it.
0: <laughs> I'm not even gonna try <laughs> to pronounce it. It's like a croissant muffin donut thing. There's
1: coffee in it? Yep. Yeah. I don't understand the addition of coffee. I don't really like coffee.
0: At any rate, she asks him about his persona and he realizes, you know, I need to open up to her more. If I want to keep her interested and in my life... <laughs> I need to be honest, huh? Imagine that. So he tells her the story about his shitty parents and his first persona as the worst possible son and how he transitioned to the well-groomed golden retriever. It goes over well with her because she, I mean, she feels for him. She's has sympathy for him, but I think she also appreciates that he told her these things. She invites him back to her place after they make out for a while. And he's like, oh yeah. They get back to her apartment and they have this sex and it's good sex and they're into it. And it's kind of cute because at that point they agree to be exclusive. Aww. I liked that conversation that they had. And then he was just like a lost little puppy because he followed her home and then just never left because like a month <laughs> passes. Oh, you still here. Okay. He, yeah. He's essentially <laughs>
1: living with her now. <laughs> well, They're happy about it, so that's good.
0: And I think at this point, they're in love with each other, but they haven't said it yet, and they haven't really admitted it to themselves. Although Marcus is getting close because he's decided he can't tell her about his online persona as Bond because at this point, he's worried he'll lose her. He wants to tell her. He knows he can trust her, but he doesn't want to lose her. No. So he makes a selfish decision. The risk is too great. April gets a phone call from her mom. Her mom invites them both to a birthday celebration. April agrees to go, but she's also not really wanting to go. And this is the point where the reader learns a little bit more about the issues that April has with her mom. Yeah. Because she loves her mom. Her mom loves her, but her mom also is, I would say, like the main proponent, like or not the main proponent, the main cause at least initially of the body image issues for april because her mom has pretty severe body image issues yeah um we could talk about that a little bit uh dude april's dad is an asshole the assiest asshole <laughs> <laughs> you know how we talked about doing brown star ratings i would give him <laughs> a 10 a 10 brown star rating oh buddy 10 out of 10 brown stars.
1: He exceeds in an area you probably really want to exceed (laughs) at. It's like a raspberry, but worse. The raspberry (laughs) awards.
0: The starfish awards. (laughs) When April's mom and dad got married and her mom got pregnant, she gained baby weight. And when she had April, she was overweight after that for a little while. April's dad stopped taking her out stopped inviting her to social events like with his friends or co-workers stopped wanting to do sexy times and april's mom went on a crash diet and lost 50 pounds in a month which oh. sounds insane and horribly unhealthy and ever since then Concerning. april's mom has lived in this state of fear where my husband won't love me if i'm above a certain number on the scale and sadly she's probably right well I'm sorry, her husband doesn't love her. No, that's true. If he doesn't love her, if she's not not under a certain weight, then he doesn't love her.
1: That's kind of like Marcus and his parents. Yeah. Conditional love.
0: April started out as a skinny kid, but when she hit puberty, she started gaining some weight. And her mom, in an effort to protect her, pulled her aside, told her this story about her and... April's dad, which I think is just insane, and then confided that April needed to keep a handle on her weight so she doesn't get unpleasantly blindsided by a man later. And that's just the beginning. Because there's like a quote in the book, oh, you can have a cheat day once a year on your birthday or whatever. Like, ew. I'm
1: not really sure that's the best way to approach that.
0: No, just incredibly sad things. And, And April does experience backlash from her father because her father stops wanting to hang out with her once she becomes overweight. Which is just typical brown star behavior. Yep. And then her mother is constantly trying to smooth things over like, oh, he loves you. This is just a thing, but we have to deal with it. They're basically hostages to her father. hmm Now that she's moved out and is a successful adult with her own life and she's happy the way she is... She does not want to see her father. And the only reason she does see him at all is because he's basically part of a package deal with her mother because her mother will not accept, I guess, that April isn't willing to put up with her father's shit and her mother won't accept that April is okay being the way she is. So there's a lot of, a lot of issues get brought up with this birthday invite. Marcus can tell that she's really upset, but they don't really talk about it. Instead, she asks him to fuck her with all the lights on and look at her the whole time. And he does, because he's like, heck yeah. Yeah, He doesn't see a downside. I like the way you look. (laughs) I want the lights on. I want to fuck. Let's do this. (laughs) You know? They have a wonderful night, and she feels validated. And some more time passes, and now we're... At the point where they're driving up to see her parents for her mom's birthday. And on the way up, Marcus is telling her about the scripts for the projects that he might potentially sign up for. And he just doesn't really feel any of those roles the reason he's kind of struggling with with choosing his next project is because he's no longer satisfied being the well-groomed golden retriever he wants to be him because he likes being him and he gets to be him around april and april likes him he finally has a safety net he has somebody who who validates him and likes him the way he is and so he feels i think a little safer although he's not quite ready to make that jump And they also have plans to go to the Con of the Gates, which is a fan convention. And they plan to go together as a real couple. April has plans to meet her friends in real life, all her online buddies. And he's a little jealous of this because he hasn't been able to have those relationships anymore because he's no longer Bond online.
1: Except when it suits him. But yes.
0: As they get closer to her parents house she starts to get more anxious and he's heard about how she's estranged from her dad and he decides oh he's going to do his best to keep April's dad away from her so she can have a nice time with her mom which is well intentioned but a terrible idea. (laughs) unfortunately april didn't communicate what she wanted from him so that he could do the thing she wanted him to do because that's all he really wants he wants to do the thing whatever the thing she wants that's the thing he wants too
1: yeah he wants to make april happy but april has to communicate her needs
0: but he doesn't know and so he thinks okay well i will do my best golden retriever impersonation and keep the dad away and that will help So they get there. Immediately, he puts on his vapid persona and his buddy-buddy with the dad. And it disappoints April because she wanted him with her to show, I think, to prove something to the mom above all. Yeah. Like, look, I can have someone who loves me just the way I am. Look how affectionate and amazing my boyfriend is.
1: Yeah, I don't think she thinks that she can in any way reach her father.
0: No, I don't think. I think for April, her father is a non-issue in that she ignores him. Yeah. And she tries not to let his asshole behavior bother her. April's alone with her mom in the kitchen and they're setting up for lunch. And her mom starts doing the thing that she always does. Oh. Oh, gosh are you sure he actually likes you it seems just so unlikely that an actor would be with you and you know maybe you should get surgery to fix your problem and then your life would just be easier and April is like okay well Marcus isn't going to be here with me but I still need to set my boundaries and I love this scene it is yeah, heart wrenching but April is so strong she tells her mom okay we need to go into the bedroom and talk and they do and she just lays out her boundaries and she is explicit which i especially appreciated this woman knows how to communicate yeah she does and she's just like i don't want to see dad anymore and i'm not going to see dad anymore and i'm willing to see you as long as dad isn't included (laughs) yeah fair enough I don't want you to talk to me about my weight anymore or my food choices or clothing or anything to do with appearances. And if you do, I'm going to end the conversation and leave. She's super clear. Her mom is sobbing because her mom is like, I love you. I'm just trying to help you. Yeah. And it hurts April because she knows her mom loves her. She knows that's where her mom is coming from. But she also knows... That her mom is fucked up in the head over it due to that situation with her dad. Yep. She's like, this is not where I want my headspace to be. And I will be with you, but you're not taking me into your warped little world anymore, which I loved. Yep. As this conversation is ending, the dad and Marcus come in. The dad, I think, is wondering like, hey, woman, where's my dinner?
1: Outside, go get it.
0: He sees her crying. April doesn't let any of this happen. She just grabs her purse, grabs Marcus, and they go out to the car and they drive off. She's just like, I'm not dealing with this fallout. Goodbye. But once they get down the road a little bit, she asks Marcus to pull over. And I really loved and hated this scene too. Because I think she's perfectly in her right to talk to him about how she's feeling about the whole situation. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it was good for her to do it. Just get it out. I always want characters to communicate. And she does. (laughs) Yes. Yes, she does. She tells him that she understands that she didn't communicate her needs to him clearly. But she was disappointed because she wanted him to be the real him with her, supporting her and not off with her dad pretending. And he apologizes and explains like his thought process and she gets it she's not mad at him she's just raw yeah but while he's explaining stuff to her he lets slip that he knew that previous dates that she had been on had fat shamed her and she's like how do you know that because she had Uh never told him that and so at this point he decides to tell her the truth because he loves her and she deserves the truth but he knows that she's not going to forgive him it's yeah it's a heart-wrenching scene i think the author did a really good job writing it
1: yeah i think she did too
0: i think that the feelings that april had were really complicated and well written because she's mad about the lie which i totally get but moreover she's mad he didn't trust her but then he explains well at first he didn't trust her but then he did but then he was scared he would lose her and he says to her I love you and I was scared you'd leave me.
1: Yes, he is a very lonely fellow.
0: There's all these ramifications because he had the upper hand this whole time because he had all this background info on her from being friends with her from before as Bond and then cut off contact with her as bon which hurt her deeply and she had no reason why and could only suspect that it was because he saw what she looked like in real life and was turned off yeah there's just a lot to unpack there and when he asks if she can ever forgive him she's like no i can't like this is not this is not okay Yeah, a couple days pass. Marcus has moved out of her house. He goes back to his home in LA and as he's unpacking he finds a gift that April had given him which is a lapis when she gave it to him. She gave him like this nice speech about like how it's beautiful but more than that and it was just really impactful to him and he just can't handle it.
1: Yeah, I think it was like the first gift given to him just because
0: yes, not the character but him. About a week later, April is still planning to go to the convention, but now she's worried about what it'll look like because now she and Marcus aren't together anymore, but she's thinking, I'm just going to hold my head up and I'm going to go. I'm going to be me, unapologetically me. Marcus is also at the convention because he's one of the actors in the show and he's sharing a hotel room with his co-star and friend Alex. There's been this side story all along about Alex. (laughs) when alex learned that marcus also writes fan fiction he got all excited and he's all i'm gonna write fan fiction too oh buddy only his character on the show most of the fan fiction about him involves pegging and he just wholeheartedly (laughs) embraces it he's all yeah i'm gonna write fan fiction about me being pegged too (laughs) or my character anyway and his fic is very much a commentary on the show, much like Marcus's is. But Alex is a bit more of a volatile personality. He has this assistant that was assigned to him due to his personality. And over the course of the book, it's hinted at that he like is developing feelings for her. And so when a fan disses her, he lights into that fan and tells them to go fuck off or fuck themselves (laughs) or whatever. And so he gets this disciplinary email From the showrunners, you know, hey, that isn't cool, but I can understand it's our fault because we gave you such an ugly assistant, which is just gross. And they copied the assistant on the email. (laughs) So much
1: eye rolling is happening. (laughs) Hard eye rolling.
0: Alex is pissed. When he gets this email and Marcus sees it and he like confiscates Alex's phone, but he's still worried like you're going to do something. I'm really (laughs) worried about this. Alex is like, no, it's fine. I'm going to my Q&A session right now. (laughs) And Marcus kind of follows him there, but he's like terribly worried about it. Alex is super manic on the stage. You know, he's pacing instead of sitting next to the moderator and he's doing his panel and he's answering questions. And then toward the end of the session, he gets a question about anything that he can say about the final season of this, of the
1: show. (laughs) Gather round, kiddies, it's story time.
0: (laughs) And Alex reveals his online identity at the session. He's like, my username is this, and you will find much insight in my fan fiction. (laughs) Alex is so fun. (laughs) And he basically threw his career away. (laughs) Potentially. At least as far as we know in this story. Yes. April wasn't there to witness this because she was... At a different panel. But she does hear about it. <laughs> and she looks him up on the site and reads his fic. And she notices that at the beginning of his fanfiction, he always thanks his beta reader, who's named Aeneas Loves Lavinia. And she realizes, that must be Marcus. Da, da, da. And so then she starts reading all of Marcus's new material. Because although he stopped writing as Bon, he's still online (laughs) posting and when she starts reading that she realizes that it pulls much inspiration from her relationship with him (laughs) that combined with her seeing the real life impact that alex is having over revealing his online identity make her start to think about her relationship with marcus i think at that point she's like uh maybe i overreacted yeah she didn't understand yeah maybe i didn't see it from his point of view and i was just really raw and upset and yeah what he did was really shitty but i could see how he was stuck
1: yeah she understands the stakes better
0: she goes to the cosplay contest does awesome i think she's a runner-up Marcus, I liked this, he purchased an Aeneas mask <laughs> to disguise himself so he could see her at the contest.
1: <laughs> no one will know.
0: <laughs> he finds her inspiring. He's like, she's just so brave and amazing. And oh my goodness, I need to be brave too. He emails his parents and lays out his boundaries with them, which he does explicitly which i appreciated and then he calls a reporter and sets up an exclusive interview as himself instead of as the golden retriever (laughs) and then at his next panel which is a full cast panel he gets a question toward the end and he answers it as him which just astounds everyone And so other people start asking him questions and he's answering them as the real him. And one of his fans asks him to share whether his relationship with April was real or publicity stunt. And he's like, no, it was it's real. Because
1: he appreciates the question now because he saw the little boyfriend.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think the actual question was, it was a woman asking, and she says, my boyfriend and I have an argument, and he says that the relationship was a publicity stunt, and I say that the way that you look at her, no matter how good of an actor you are, you couldn't pretend feeling that. And he answers that it was a real relationship, and then he stares down the boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. April isn't at this panel because she's prepping for a panel that she's moderating with one of Marcus's co-stars, Summer, who played Lavinia on the show. The panel is getting a late start because the previous panel ran a little long. And so Summer arrives all in a rush and starts telling April what happened. And April's like, hmm, very interesting.
1: (laughs) you don't say
0: she does the panel that she's moderating for summer and then toward the end they have a qa session and an audience member asks april a question instead of summer and this audience member is a young woman who's chubby and says i was at the previous panel and marcus said that the relationship that you guys had was real and i just wanted to know are you still together And April says, well, it's kind of complicated right now. But then she sees Marcus standing on the stage, like out of sight of the audience. And so she decides she's going to go all in. And she proclaims her love to him. She's like, I still love him. And if we did break up, it wouldn't be because our relationship wasn't real or he doesn't like how I look or I don't love him or anything like that. Because of course I love him. And she gives like this nice speech about how amazing he is. And then he comes on stage and he says... If I have anything to say about it, we're not broken up. Then he asks her, do I have anything to say about it? And she (laughs) says, yes. And so then they reconcile. It's really cute and sweet. And then we get an epilogue. So two years in the future, they're now engaged. At this point, Marcus has produced and starred in his own movie version of the Aeneid playing Aeneas. (laughs) Because of course he is. But he's doing the version by Virgil. Marcus has kind of reconciled with his parents a bit. He hangs out with them sometimes and they're afraid of April, which I just think is great. They should be. (laughs) April would annihilate them. And then April, we learned, didn't really reconcile fully with her mom, but continues trying while still enforcing her boundaries. So trying to talk to her on the phone or whatever, but every time her mom will slip up. But maybe she'll learn. And then at the very, very end, Marcus gets an email from the author of the source material for God of the Gates, who somehow knows of his online persona, which he still hasn't revealed to the public. So that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end (laughs) it's kind of a obvious topic for me to choose i guess but i I wanted to discuss the whole body acceptance theme in this story a little bit okay because i've read plenty of romance books that have you know a plus-size heroine and there are even romance books with like a plus-size heroine hero too but this book had very central themes around that idea and it looks like the second book in the series also does at first I was a little worried about it because I was worried it'd be like a gimmick I guess and the way April was so sensitive about it but then as her story comes out and we learn why she's so sensitive about it I feel like the author gave her good reasons for feeling that way I wanted to know do you have any um thoughts on that particular theme in the book
1: i actually like the way the self-acceptance arc was handled Handling change with a character can get tricky depending on what that change is supposed to be. And sometimes with April, it's not so much that she changes, but that she holds her ground. Yeah. And so I thought that was really well done. There are times when she reacts in ways that I think are maybe a little strongly, but then those are her buttons. And I mean, especially after you meet her parents, you can totally understand how those buttons got installed. Oh, yeah. I was curious to see how the characters would find common ground and realistically so and i think it's because they communicate so well
0: i think the author did a good job of drawing a parallel between april's relationship with marcus and then the otp that april prefers oh yes (laughs) of aeneas and lavinia because the backstory with that is that lavinia is homely and she likes the idea of Aeneas loving her anyway or loving her for her. Not not anyway. Loving her for her. Mm -hmm. And her looks don't matter to him or he... It's not even that. Like, he loves her the way she is yeah he accepts her the way she is Yeah,
1: both characters don't want to be loved for superficial reasons loved or disliked for superficial reasons
0: and I mean obviously April relates to that because she's the unapologetic Lavinia stan she gets it she's here for it I liked that aspect of the story definitely and I appreciate the stuff about her buttons (laughs) that makes a lot of sense I don't know if in the audiobook version you get the dedication but at the beginning of the book there's a dedication from the author to everyone who's ever doubted as i did someone who looks like you can be desired someone who looks like you can be loved someone who looks like you can have a happy ending i swear it and i think that that's the message of this theme in the book i can see that and it just like it felt heavy-handed
1: Especially where romance is concerned and where our culture is now. I think sometimes I I don't appreciate how groups of people have been denied romance or denied the ability to marry or express their love or whatever. Yeah. And so I have to sometimes be like, no, no. This was something that like this means a lot because of these reasons. Yeah. You know, my value of it isn't, you know... And that's, I think, with this story. It's along those same lines. And it can be difficult to be reminded and faced with the fact that we do that in this culture. And other cultures have too. And by her saying, you know, in her dedication, if you fit this body shape or don't fit this body shape, you can still find... It just reminds people, readers, us, whoever. Oh, yeah. Discrimination.
0: I can see where you're coming from with that. I think that for me... I came into this book thinking, okay, this is a overweight heroine. Yay. Mm -hmm. She loves herself. Yay. She's embracing body positivity. I'm here for it. She's competent
1: at her job. She's not, you know, she doesn't fit the horrible stereotypes.
0: Yeah. She's not just fat either. Like that is hardly anything to do with her personality aside from her trauma. All of that is yay. Yay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I mean, there is the other story of Marcus where he's also been judged for appearances his whole life, mm-hmm. too, only in a different way, and I get it, and I can recognize that there are people of that group who do share that experience, and maybe that's who the dedication is for, that's who this book is for
1: and I appreciate too, like as much as fatness can be in a thing, a physical thing, it's also a mindset, and I mean it's it, it's <laughs> it's like the donut thing. It's just like, no, I, I think I appreciate what you're saying, but that wouldn't be my reaction.
0: <laughs> I wanted to be, though. Why can't you react <laughs> the same way I
1: do? Sorry. I am my own person. Oh, I guess I was going to ask you what you thought about, I don't know what to call them, little interludes.
0: Yeah, so this book had... Um, to provide context, this book had at the beginning of every chapter an epistolary segment, you know, whether it was a chat log or an excerpt from one of the fanfics or something else. And typically it was something from the past, but slightly related to what was going on in the story. Yep, yep. And honestly, I do didn't really like it yeah there were some things about it that i liked i liked it when i could definitely see like the link between the content of that segment and the content of what was happening in the story or when it provided some sort of additional context maybe but it almost felt like something that should have been cut out
1: yeah i sort of i started calling them commercial breaks in my head (laughs) (laughs) Especially where I couldn't relate it to what was going on in the story. And I remember there was one, like, it was an excerpt from, like, one of the movies that he did. And I'm just, I'm like, I don't, like, either weave it into the story or remove it. It was so frustrating to me when there were these, you know, good moments, good flow. And then we'd have to be taken out of the story, shown this other thing, and then put back in the story. Because sometimes the tone of those portions did not match where the story was so even if they were funny or amusing or applicable and appropriate it was just jarring
0: yeah it almost seemed to me like it was something the author did during her world building yeah you know in her character building and then she was like okay and i'm going to share it which is fine but you're right it breaks the immersion.
1: I'm not saying all of them would have had to have been taken out. I just don't think you needed one at the beginning of every chapter. Maybe it wouldn't have been as jarring for me, like especially with the fanfic portions that were in there. If I read fanfic and and or wrote it
0: i agree with you that it breaks the immersion i do think that they were interesting or funny at times or provided extra context or detail they grew the world of the story yeah but it wasn't necessary to the plot at all as far as i could tell to know those things like i said i was enjoying the story so much
1: and then yank it did a disservice how was the audiobook this uh, time? The audiobook was narrated by Isabel Ruther, and I think she did a really good job. I appreciated that there was one narrator. Yay. She was engaging. She had good range. Yeah. Thumbs up. Awesome.
0: <laughs> so, Em, um, are you happy for their happy?
1: I was happy for them.
0: I think those crazy kids are going to last. Yeah, me too. I was really happy for them. I loved their relationship and how they healed each other. And fought for each other. And were there for each other. They had excellent chemistry. Yeah, I think they were really well developed. I I enjoyed them. Well, on that note, how did you rate April?
1: I thought she was awesome. And she stayed true to herself.
0: (laughs) 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 What about you? I rated her awesome also. I thought she was just amazing. Maybe I should rate her amazing.
1: <laughs> you can't. I, I screw with the rating system all the time. Feel free to adjust.
0: <laughs> I liked that she was such a strong person and she set boundaries and she stood up for herself. Mm-hmm. She didn't let anyone tell her how she should be or think or feel or anything. I loved it. I love that she was successful. Just amazing. She was she's wonderful.
1: What about the hero? How did you rate him?
0: I rated him awesome also. I really liked Marcus. (laughs) I did feel he was a little bit of a whiny boy. And I don't know if it's because he was like forty and still whiny, but I did try to cut him some slack because he does have his social awkwardness and seems like he didn't really ever make friends.
1: He seems to have isolated pretty hardcore.
0: It's understandable to an extent. And he did try so, so very hard to read April's mind. And when he failed, it was sad. Yes. How did you rate him?
1: I also thought he was awesome. He had a lot to, to deal with and overcome and he he did. He needed encouragement. So yeah, April. But yeah, I I think he was a decent human.
0: I think this was more of a Marcus story than an April story because April had Yeah, maybe. She she was an amazing character, but her growth journey wasn't as significant as Marcus's. Yeah. I think Marcus is the one who did a lot of healing and growing and changing. I mean, April did that stuff too, but she was already on that path when the story starts. She didn't need the story to get there. She was going to do it anyway.
1: Yeah, Marcus needed the help.
0: So what did you think about the villains?
1: So I basically thought of the villains as the parents.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> all of the parents. They're all terrible. Yes. So yes, they're definitely awful. Believably awful. Like, they're well-developed. Part of me wanted more with april's dad but part of me also appreciated that might have been horrible so maybe it's better that it wasn't there (laughs) (laughs) what about you reveal the list
0: (laughs) well i agree that the parents were the primary antagonists although there were also the online fat shamers and other little bit characters or extras that were just crummy in their own way but it was definitely the parents who were the stars of the show. Yeah, <laughs> and stars of the shit show. I think that we had just the right amount of April's dad <laughs> because to April, he was a non-issue. Yeah, that's true. She'd already cut him out of her life. She just needed to make that final step.
1: Yeah, I think maybe it's just sad to me that he is okay with that. Maybe that's what it is. It's completely acceptable to him that his daughter has cut him out of her life.
0: Yeah. I think I can't decide which parents I hate more. <laughs> Do I hate Marcus's parents more? Do you have to more, decide? April's parents more.
1: Does it have to be a competition?
0: (laughs) Can I hate them all equally? I don't know. There is
1: enough manure to go around.
0: April's mom was like an insidious type of antagonist because she did what she did out of misguided love. And I think that her mom had her own issues that she then foisted onto April. Yeah. And when April tried to say, no, no, this isn't what I want, her mom was like... Oh, but it's good for you, sweetie. With Marcus's parents, they were just evil. Like they were on par with April's dad, I think.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: And honestly, I was a little disappointed that he started to reconcile with them toward the end. I needed more of that if that was going to be in the story at all. I don't know. Did he get an apology? I don't think so. I just don't get it. I don't. Those people are toxic. Cut them out, Marcus. You don't need that energy. No. You have your found family. You don't need them.
1: He clearly sees there's something redeemable there. And I guess if I'm going to root for that, then I need to see something of that too. To make me want that for him. Because if not, then it's just like, okay, dude, are you wanting to continue with your mistreatment? You're a 40-year-old adult, so do with as you will, but... Yeah,
0: and I appreciated so much that he set his boundaries and he did it the way that he did, but I kind of wonder if he still feels like that duty towards them, like he should be forgiving them or something like that. And that's why he's still carrying on any kind of relationship with them at all. I just... Oh, I just don't get it.
1: Maybe it's something like that. He sees it as an honor issue.
0: Maybe. And then as far as April keeping on with her relationship with her mom, I again, I kind of wonder at what point is she going to give up? Because the book gives us no evidence that the mom is going to change. So April is just in this perpetual loop of hoping that it will.
1: Yeah. But maybe, maybe in those instances, it is less fiction, more like real life
0: i think that both of those cases were possibly more realistic than i wanted them to be (laughs) oh no (laughs) just cut them out cut out all the trash move on (laughs) how did you rate the book
1: i gave the book a four i almost gave it a 4.5 but then i just couldn't with the little segments
0: not a fan of the epistolary segments
1: there just had to be less of them. I was completely happy with more Marcus and April time, or maybe rather than having so many of those segments, more of the Marcus and his parents, or April and her mom, you know, to kind of Yeah I, I would have rather had that than more of of those. But I did really like the book, in fact I'll I will probably read the next one in the series when it comes out. Cause Alex just seems so fun. <laughs> Well, how did you rate the book?
0: I rated it four as well. I kind of waffled a bit on the rating also, in large part due to the interludes, (laughs) as you call them. (laughs) But also in part due to the way the stuff with the parents ended. Yeah. I really struggled with that. It felt like it was starting a new story and we didn't get to see that part of the story. Yeah. And it bothered me.
1: No, that makes sense.
0: But to give the author kudos where kudos are due, there was so much good writing in
1: this There really was.
0: So many passages that were just lovely, highly enjoyed.
1: Like I said, I was struggling is because I enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed the story between the characters.
0: Did you feel romanced?
1: I didn't. Sorry. Gosh! Really? (laughs) Sorry. (sighs) I have... I don't know what I have.
0: (laughs) A stone heart?
1: Yeah, that's probably pretty accurate.
0: (laughs) Why not?
1: I don't know. Because I really liked the main characters. I rooted for them. I was charmed by them. I thought they were (laughs) well-developed. I don't... I don't know I I honestly I think this has nothing to do with the writing or, or any I, I honestly I think maybe this week I was just really distracted and tired <laughs> <laughs> that must be it it's not you it's me <laughs> yeah I, I don't think it was the story that I, there's nothing that I can look to in the story and say that is the reason I didn't
0: sorry M isn't up to being romanced this week <laughs> she has a headache <laughs> try yeah, again just, next
1: time i mean i i feel terrible because i
0: i really did like it i was 90 percent sure you felt romanced i feel a little disappointed right. oh well <laughs>
1: i should get used to
0: it well did you feel
1: romanced
0: i did yeah i really loved them together and i thought they had really good chemistry and they did he was so cute with her i really liked it
1: yeah they were very sweet together.
0: What else have you been reading? Well,
1: I'm still reading because I didn't get it finished. It's Letters from an Astrophysicist by Neil deGrasse Tyson. And it's a compilation of things that he has written and people who have emailed him over the years. Because I guess for a while he had his email address public. So people could just email him with whatever. People from all walks of life reached out to him. It's amazing you know they just felt isolated they had an interest in science but thought for whatever reason people around them wouldn't care they wanted either advice or just to be heard by someone or whatnot it's i know repeatedly i've said like oh i'm so unemotional i have no feel like i was getting choked up during some of these stories (laughs) so
0: she does have a heart Yeah, it's maybe the size of a thimble. You are like the Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) Only your heart never grows.
1: I wouldn't mind having green skin. (laughs) Maybe. If I could change it, at will.
0: Technicolor skin.
1: I think it's incredibly great. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Nice. Getting a glimpse into other people's lives. Anyway, what have you been reading?
0: I just finished a book called Corsair's Strike which is by Ruby Dixon. It is the third in a series called the Corsair Brothers and she's been writing this series as a serial on her Facebook page Oh! and then when the serial's done she takes it down and publishes it. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I read the first two in the series as a serial on her page. And then when she got to this particular one, I thought, "Eh, I don't know if I like this character. Maybe I don't want to read it right now. And so I waited until she published it as a book. And then I finally was like, okay, I better catch up on Ruby because I read everything (laughs) she writes. She's my fave. And... I was surprised by how much I liked it because the hero is such a pouty boy. (laughs) And I was like, he's going to annoy me so much. But you know what? He really didn't because I don't know. I think it's kind of a good a good one to recommend along with this book, because even though it's a sci fi romance instead of a contemporary, the hero really reminds me of Marcus in the story that we read. Because he has a shitty mother, and no one loves him, and he grows up with, like, this wall around his personality, and he doesn't trust anyone or let anyone in. Oh, yeah. Over the course of the story, he lets down his guard, at least for his one person, but slowly with others, too. The premise of this story, and keep in mind, this is the third in a series, but he's been searching for this ship that his family lost. And by ship, I mean spaceship. And it's been rumored to have very profitable cargo. So he's super excited when he finds it. But when he finds it, he realizes the profitable cargo is actually slaves. Oh. And he has a total crisis because he's like, Oh my god, what am I gonna do? Conscious. They're all in stasis. They're not, you know, necessarily conscious or anything, but they're also lives <laughs> and important. And he has made a practice in his life to free slaves like his whole ship is staffed by slaves that he purchased and then freed and then said if you want to stay and work for me i will pay you a wage and you can be part of my crew he zooms off to go think about it but unbeknownst to him one of the slaves stows away on his ship and she's very mad at him (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. It's sort of enemies to lovers and he's a pouty boy. Oh, pout pout. So if you like pouty boys then okay. yay,
1: <laughs> pouty pirate
0: boys. <laughs> yeah. That's it for this time. Check out our website romancemepodcast.com for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And don't forget you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify.
1: Join us next time when we discuss You Deserve Each Other by Sarah Hogel. Bye! Pterodactyl! <laughs> what? 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 Walk 500 miles. Pterodactyl, pterodactyl! Oh. Oh wow, oh. that had so not the response. <laughs> <laughs> am I being dumb? You're not remembering. You can decide whether or not that's dumb. I don't think that's dumb. I don't remember crap all that. What am I not
0: remembering?
1: When I was driving home from work and I heard that 500 miles song
0: yeah.
1: and then the part where they do that little singy bit and I was okay. hearing carrot Oh! Over. The da, world. Da, da, oh, da. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Pterodactyl, oh. pterodactyl.
0: Okay, <laughs> alright. <laughs>